Scotty Bowman, Police Commissioner for District Number 4. Please share your Detroit background and relationship to Detroit. Your history of being a Detroiter. Well, I was born in Detroit, and I spent most of my life living in Detroit. I um, have been living at the same residence since 2003. I have been an office holder. I am an office holder in Detroit right now. I'm chairperson of the District 4 Community Advisory Council. Tell the story of what led you to run for office. There were a number of things, but I think I really became more aware of the Board of Police Commissioners after um, having some direct experiences um, with um, the system as pertains to um, misconduct by police. And in those direct experiences, I realized that um, the civilian oversight of police was a valuable service um, to be able to have a place where um, members of the community could go if they had a bad encounter with the police and the police were not really handling them fairly, that there was this other um, outlet and so I first became aware of it really through personal experience. And then as time went by, I decided that there needed to be some improvements on the Board of Police Commissioners. And that is when I decided that I should run for that office and um, represent District 4 on that board. Okay, so- what is your understanding of the duties of the office you are running for? There's a number of duties, but the core duty the reason that it was made into a board um, rather than simply being one person sort of um, acting as a secondary leader of a police department was that um, back in um, the 70s, there was an organization called Stress. And there were a lot of um, adverse experiences um, people had with members of the police department. They were handled and often unfairly. There wasn't any um, recourse if there was abuse of people by the stress unit. Um, so when the charter was revised and Coleman A. Young, was, this is happening at the same time, Coleman A. Young is becoming um, mayor of Detroit in 1974, they um, ended up um, having a organization of multiple people, a board, that would be overseeing the police, it would be a civilian organization being separate from the police department. In other words, um, unlike internal affairs, which also investigates complaints and looks for cases of possible misconduct, the Board of Police Commissioners, you could think of it as external affairs. It's an outside organization, outside from the police department inside the city government, where people could go and um, be um, confident that they were not really talking directly with the peers of the person they were complaining about. And so, and also that the investigation then would be performed by someone who is not a peer of the person being investigated by a separate organization. Um, and since then, the organization has, um, you know, undergone some changes due to charter revisions. The most recent one was in 2012, where the completely appointed Board of Police Commissioners transitioned to being a Board of Police Commissioners where there were um, seven elected and four appointed people um, on that board. And um, so now that we have 
a partially elected board, of course, that provided the opportunity to run. Actually, 2013 then was the first time we had elected commissioners seated. And then in 2017 um, is when I decided I wanted to run for that um, office. And, um, and so I did fairly well, but since then I've been much more involved in the district. And as far as the duties go, I forgot to add on that um, in addition to investigating complaints, they also have a role in um, looking at the budget. And um, they're one of the um, groups of people that look at the budget of the police department and um, give their seal of approval or make suggested changes to it, one of the two. Um, also, they have um, a role in setting policy for the police department. They actually can set, and, and this is a role that they don't necessarily um, use fully, but they really can set the policy of the police department and they can determine um, what the police can and can't do under certain circumstances and what they should and shouldn't do um, as far as providing better public safety for the people of Detroit. What would you do differently as a board of police commissioner that is not done now? Okay, well, I'm only running to replace one person, and that is the incumbent who is from my district. Um, and what I would do differently than him is I would, first of all, when there is a meeting, I would be sure to allow every commissioner to have a voice at that meeting. I would, and of course, coming out of the COVID situation, there'll be more face-to-face -face meetings. But um, if we were in a situation where we were doing virtual meetings again, I can assure you I would not be participating in the muting of commissioners just to help silence points of view that I disagree with. Rather, I would give them an opportunity to speak their minds. I would also give people a little more time to express themselves rather than cutting people off too abruptly. I would, um, and so as far as conducting the meetings, there would be a more open and hopefully a more friendly environment where everyone would feel their views are heard. Um, regarding any meetings outside of the main um, weekly meeting, I would also uh, support open meetings wherever um, possible, wherever the um, Open Meetings Act doesn't say that there needs to really be such as in personnel matters. There's certain cases where there are closed meetings. But other than those cases, I would be for having um, conducting all meetings in an open and transparent fashion. And I would have minutes published. I would not try to conceal what the business of the police commissioners are from the community at large. I'd rather want to make it as transparent as possible. And finally, I would go through any means possible. If it requires um, having to take people to court, then we take people to court. But any means that's legally available to make sure that we don't make errors such as promoting um, police officers who have been convicted of assault of citizens on the job. We had that happen. And the board did at the last minute have a um, unanimous vote against this promotion, but they did not resist um, the court efforts that um, really usurped their authority under the charter. And I would be for um, being a little more vigilant in that area. I would be for the board retaining an attorney, and they've been rather lax on that. I would definitely welcome 
the need, uh, if anyone thought there was a need, and I, and I think there probably would be, I'd welcome having a parliamentarian, the city council has a parliamentarian. I'd welcome having a parliamentarian available with the board so that um, rather than when there is a violation of parliamentary procedure, that somehow that just happens and they wouldn't want it to reflect badly on myself or any other commissioner who might be happy to chair a meeting at that, in, during that period. I would um, want the parliamentarian there to make sure that everything is be, being done in an order and properly manner. What's your definition of police reform? Do you feel it's needed in Detroit? If so, in what ways? What is your position on facial recognition technology? Yes. Um, first of all, there has been a rush to jump into heavy surveillance of the community by the current board, by the majority of them, and there are notable exceptions who have stood up against this, but they have been pretty much quieted. Um, I would support at least a suspension, if not a complete um, end, to the use of facial recognition technology. Um, right now, um, there's actually a couple problems with it. One of them is even when it works properly, there is potential for abuse, especially if it's being done in real time for violating people's privacy and tracking their movements. Um, the more immediate problem, though, that exists, um, and this could arguably, arguably be a temporary problem, but it exists right now, is the technology has been shown repeatedly to be terribly inaccurate when identifying persons of color, which in the city of Detroit is exceptionally problematic and makes it almost useless. Um, now, one might think, well, what's wrong with just something that's not fully effective? How can that do any harm? Well, the harm can be in misidentifying people. Because a lot of times, once people get pulled into the system, and it's not supposed to be this way, I know legally you're innocent until proven guilty, but unfortunately, once people are pulled into the system, they get easily criminalized. It's very easy for people just to assume, well, you must have done something wrong or you wouldn't be here. Um, another police reform issue is use of force. Um, there have been some steps in the right direction there. I would push it even further. My standard on what is an acceptable use of force is if it's not something that would be acceptable for a civilian to do to another civilian or to a police officer for that matter, then it should not be acceptable for a police officer to do that to a civilian. And right now, and, and, and even though we have something now, it's called, um, Oh, implied immunity, I think is the right word. I'm trying to remember. Um, immunity. I would not um, recognize that. As far as how we would handle things, I would want the department to conduct itself as if this implied immunity did not exist, as if they um, were really susceptible to the same penalties as a civilian doing the same thing. Um, I know that wouldn't be the case, but I'd like them to conduct themselves that way. And I try to set policy to guide people in that direction. Um, I don't think um, exotic weapons should be used at all. And in fact, if with the current charter revision proposals go through, they wouldn't be. But when I say exotic weapons, what I mean, I mean, sound cannons, um, heat rays, and this sounds like I'm talking crazy, but no, these things actually exist. Um, just, um, and, and also even tear gas, except maybe under extreme circumstances. 
Um, no, um, none of these rubber bullets, um, these projectiles, they're supposedly non-lethal that often are lethal. Um, a lot of these weapons, um, they're supposedly used for crowd control are really a suppression of free speech. And I think that's frightening and I would not support, um, continued use of those things. How do you think officers should be held accountable when breaking the law? Well, um, the, there's the what we don't do and what we do. And sometimes what we don't do is, is, is as important as what we do. One of the things that we should not do is we should not ever promote an officer who has been found to have um, been criminally using violence against a member of community on duty. What we should do, and this would require action, is in such extreme cases, we should fire such an officer, which is not necessarily what's been going on. Um, that a use of um, excessive force, especially when it's been adjudicated, even under the steep standards, I mean, compared to what a civilian would have to um, show, what an officer has to show to justify force is often much less than what a civilian would have to use to justify force. Um, but even under those circumstances, we have a case where an officer was actually convicted of a violent crime against a member of the community and was able to um, get promoted. So um, on contrary, I would say we should not continue to have such a person work for us. Furthermore, I support having something very similar to um, how, for instance, we have the um, you know, sex offender registry, for instance, where there is a place where people could look up to find out if um, a person um, who is um, a predatory person, a dangerous person, is living near them. A registry, um, I would support a registry of officers who have been found to be guilty of abuse, not necessarily to see if people, if one is living by you, but rather so that other departments would be able to find out if that's the person they're interviewing and if that's the person they're going to hire. Because a lot of times people just, they get um, in a lot of trouble in one department and then just go somewhere else. Um, you know, like I, I'm aware of a case where we even, and this could also apply even to people who are working as, um, I think it's PA 330 or whatever it's called. There's actually an act where people have private police where, um, for instance, you know, if a person's working at a college, that if that person um, has to leave that job, that that she or he doesn't end up working at a hospital, for instance. Um, th we need to have some kind of registry to keep track of bad actors so that they don't simply play musical chairs and go from one place to another in, in somewhat of a shell game. What is your position on adding social support resources to assist with non-criminal activities involving police? May have been is, a, is the right word here because the, the problem right now is we don't necessarily know. And that's why I think it's important that this be a matter of record that people can reference, especially potential employers of police. Um, or even, you know, higher level security personnel that, you know, private policing um, that some organizations have that we really need to monitor 
those people to make sure that they don't go back into a similar position somewhere else and and look conversely that people in that situation also don't come here um all my all this negative talk i want to make it clear i'm not against police detroit wants police you know i went door to door and talked to people and overwhelmingly people want their police they want their police to be responsive they want their police to be um, to get there quickly, and they want their police to follow up on cases where they have been victims of crimes. We, we definitely want to have police. The problem is that, um, unfortunately, a few bad police have kind of tarnished the image of the many good police, and that stands out. I think when police are doing their job correctly and when they're doing it properly as most do as overwhelming overwhelmingly most do that that's a good thing and it's it's a beneficial thing the problem we have right here is that we have some bad actors and then um and then we don't even correct for it after the fact for instance you know one case where there was um a abusive case a lot of officers kind of stood up for that person because they believed that this was what their training told them. Well, there were never any corrections in their training to teach them, for instance, how to handle a combative hospital patient without punching the person out, for instance. That there are other ways to handle this. And obviously, hospital personnel know that because that is not what they do with their patients. Um, that we need to better train people and also mental health cases. I think a lot of times... See, we do also over-police. And what I mean by that isn't that we enforce um, important laws too much. What I mean by that is by over-policing, a lot of times we send police into situations where we don't require police. There's a lot of cases where there's a mental health issue and really a mental health professional should go there. Maybe they might want a police escort kind of waiting in the wings in case there's a problem or something. But um, often it's a matter of something that a mental health professional would know how to manage this, where a police officer is not trained to do that. And we don't necessarily expect them to be because really um, it's law enforcement, not usually mental health treatment that they're doing. Uh, hopefully we can give them a little coaching in that area, but we can't you know, ex have one person be all occupations at once. It's just too much for one individual to handle. So we should have mental health professionals available as part of our um, public safety package, if you will, um, to handle cases where maybe sending in an officer is not the best way to do it. What do you see as the future of Detroit? Well, I'd like to see a Detroit where, first of all, people feel safe. Where, see, let me give you a little back a description of what happens, what I hear. I mean, what I hear from people not from Detroit. I have people who tell me that when there's something going on that they want to go to and Detroit's in the middle, they actually drive around the city. I have people who wouldn't come and visit me because they're afraid. You know, they watch the news. They think something bad is going to happen as soon as they cross the, you know, the city limits. Um, I would want to see a Detroit where people feel no more um, nervousness or discomfort coming from, you know, outstate, from rural communities, from the suburbs coming into Detroit than people feel going there. Um, a lot of times there's, you know, apprehension, like people are afraid that, that, you know, there's a crime problem. And I guess if you look at statistics, maybe there is. Um, I, I want the image of the city and the reality of the city 
to be one where people feel safe, both the people living here year-round, people who were, you know, been born here like myself, but also visitors who aren't familiar with the city, that they don't have this image of the city as someplace scary that they're afraid to visit. Um, that this is a welcoming community, that it is a good place to be, it is a good place to live, it's a good place to work. That is the Detroit that I would like to see people um, have both experience in their day-to-day lives and also for people who aren't in Detroit to hear about a city that is welcoming and safe and friendly and a great place to visit and a great place to live. Why should Detroiters vote for you? Well, they should vote for me because i really um the best person for the job now what would you have to base that on well um i can get into some of my background then i have been for the past um, four years since the last election when i already had gone into that with quite a bit of knowledge and background but since that time and i think i really do need to compare it to then because that was an election i lost Um, Since that time, I have walked through my entire district, through the 4th District, through our district. I speak to the people in the 4th. I've walked through that district. I've talked to people there. I've knocked on every single door in that district. I have um, listened to people's concerns. I I feel the pulse of the um, community members living in my district. I have researched the city charter as pertains to the Board of Police Commissioners, and the Police Department and played a critical role in writing revisions that, if enacted, would transform policing in the city of Detroit. I have um, had personal experiences on various, from various directions regarding public safety. Um, for instance, I like I've talked earlier, I have been um, affected by abuse, but I have also frequently called up the police on the phone when there have been break-ins in my house. I'm a, I, I've experienced things from different sides. I've helped out with the radio patrol. That's a positive relationship with police. So, I mean, a lot of this, I'm bringing up the negatives, but it's because the Board of Police Commissioners is prime their their core duty is really investigating complaints and then there's other things after that and so yeah that was starting with a negative but um i've worked positively with the police i've worked as far as um doing you know citizen patrols radio patrols i've done the river walk when they needed some help down there one year um i i've been helpful as well and i can i'm a member of my my community relations council um, I have a large amount of support in my district, in District 2, having gotten 20,000-plus votes in the past election when I was elected to the Community Advisory Council. Um, so I'm a transparent person, and I can demonstrate that. If you watch the meetings and the way I've conducted the meetings with the CAC, I don't go muting people. I don't go cutting people off. I'm, I'm open. I let them speak. I let people speak their minds. I give people time to speak, and I'm a good listener. Uh, so I'm knowledgeable I'm of my community. I'm knowledgeable of the um, facts and the law that is at the basis of the Board of Police Commissioners. I understand the history. And I am a member of Detroit's community. I've lived here um, for decades. I've, um, I was born in this. You know, my parents were living in the city of Detroit when I was born. I was born in the hospital in the city of Detroit. So, yes, I was born here, too, born and raised in Detroit. Um, I have, um, you know, deep roots here, and I feel that I can um, do the best job because of my experience, my background, and my continued devotion. Oh, and I should add that I'm founder of Detroit Residents Advancing Civilian Oversight. 
um, which is also designed to educate the public about the Board of Police Commissioners. So when I've been knocking on those doors, I have also been ta- you know, explaining to people, because a lot of people, they hear police commissioner and they picture like, you know, Commissioner Gordon from Batman or something, like this kind of monolithic um, character who's kind of boss of the police. And that isn't what uh, the Board of Police Commissioners is about, and that's not what the individual commissioners are. So I, I educate people as I'm going door to door in the community and talking to people. So, and of course they educate me as well, because that's where I learn really what their concerns are and what's actually happening as opposed to what we just read about. So it's, um, I feel that makes me an excellent person for this job. 